today we're talking about spiritual warfare and uh, I can count the number of files that I have on spiritual warfare. I can probably count on one hand how many spiritual warfare sermons I've heard and at one point in my career I counted like because we had morning and evening church and then we had like Wednesday night church it was like 6,000 sermons I had heard. Some of you who are way older than me uh, since I'm only 30. uh, probably of 12,000 sermons that you've heard. And spiritual warfare, especially in North American Baptist and Baptist circles, is something that we're like, yeah, let's leave that for the workshop in where 12 people come and we're kind of like, they slide in the back door and we're kind of nervous. It's like, if we talk about it, there's going to be an issue. Uh, and so today we're going we're gonna to talk about spiritual warfare. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I'm going to read a lot just so that I stay true to what God wants me to say. Because the next few weeks are interesting. That first week, you know, we kind of introduced the spiritual, like here's spirituality. And then last week Grant talked about spiritual gifts. And we're actually going to come back some point this spring and actually like expand that spiritual gifts and kind of do a study on spiritual gifts. And some of you are going, I want to serve Matt. I just don't know my spiritual gift. And we'll kind of walk through, okay, what's gifts and talents? How do, how do those things work? And does God gift us differently when I'm younger? And in this situation, did God have different gifts than when I was older? Grant did a great job. I listened to it talking about the difference between fruits of the spirit and spiritual gifts. Sometimes we default to like fruits of the spirit. Uh, and so, you know, those two weeks are great introductions. Now we're getting into spiritual warfare. And on the screen behind me, you'll see the next two weeks after spiritual warfare, do not plan to be gone. Uh, we're going to talk about Satan and his demons. Just what does that mean? And then we'll, we'll end this just with looking at angels. Sometimes we just kind of have the angel picture like in our Bible, and that's kind of how we view angels. Kind of like, oh, it's this nice guy with wings that we might, we might as Christians go, that's a Halloween appropriate costume, the angel costume. Or we remember back to like Christmas productions where you were the angel and you had the halo on you, and that's kind of our understanding. So we're going to invest some time just looking at that. Let me pray, it'll calm me down, and then let's dive in. God, speak to us the words that are on the page, make them yours, or change them. We want to be people who are knowledgeable, we don't want to be ignorant. We also know that we don't want to give more power to something that has no power. Once again, you're God, we're not, you have overcome the world. Help us hold true to that overcome theme that will run supreme through today. We love you, in your name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to spend a good amount of time in Ephesians chapter 6. If you're looking in the Pew Bible, it's on 1009, page 1009. I'm going to give you a bunch of other verses. I'd encourage you just to scribble them down. Uh, I don't want you to to jump to them. I I really want us to be based in Ephesians chapter 6. But as we bounce around, some of these verses you might want to look at later on just to kind of grab their context. 
Let me say this, and as you have your Bibles or you're looking for it in Ephesians 6, we've heard this in church, and, and we've heard this proclaimed. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Paul, for I struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And you've heard that verse, and maybe you're like me. If something bad happens, sometimes you'll hear this coming out of your mouth, or you'll hear it coming out of somebody else's mouth. Could this be Satan? You know, I, I get in a car crash, and maybe I blame Satan when the truth is I just wasn't paying attention. Or sometimes we flunk a test or we fail somewhere and we might say this, you know, Satan made me flunk the test. Maybe it's because I just didn't study. We don't need to, to think that we're seeing people's faces and trees all the time in that crazy world that we kind of have become accustomed to as Hollywood's packaged it for us. You know, on the other hand, we don't want to underemphasize it, but we also don't want to overemphasize it. Maybe you're like me. I don't really know a lot about this spiritual world. I don't really talk about it much. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says. You don't need to turn there. It'll be on the screen. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. So right off the bat, we need to understand that though we live in this physical world, there's another world, there's a spiritual world, there's a war that's raging. We can imagine it like the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness, and when we engage in spiritual battle, we don't fight with weapons of this world. We don't fight with nuclear bombs, we don't fight with machine guns, we don't have tanks, we don't have a rifle, we don't even have nunchucks or a slingshot. Instead, you and I fight this battle, this spiritual battle, with faith, and we use God's word. In this battle, there's a very real spiritual battle that's going on. If you've opened up your Bibles, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He gives us some great insight, and this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time. And I'm going to just unpack it for you and, and give you some ways that we can start to wrestle with this. The, the, look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Right off the bat, you have to understand that you're not strong enough, you're not competent enough, you're not wise enough, you're not smart enough to win this battle in your own power. You just don't have enough strength. Look what scripture says there in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. We need to declare right off the bat that we have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. 
He hates what we're doing today. He hates what, what, whatever we are planning to do. And we have to understand that Satan is actually planning. He's scheming, and his desire is to hurt you badly, very, very, very badly. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against devil's schemes. Look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. The Bible says instead it's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right out of Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a battle, your battle's not against other people. Your battle's not against the government. Your battle's not against Hollywood. Your battle's not against what you see on TV or Netflix. If you have a boss and you say this, I've got a boss from hell. Your battle's not against your boss from hell. Your battle is against the, the powers and principalities of this dark world. We live in a physical world, and yet there's a spiritual world that's just as real. You and I need to embrace this truth, that what you see with your eyes is not all that there really is. What you see is not all there is. We have to learn this important principle. What we see with our physical eyes in the physical world is not all there is. There's a spiritual world that's just as real and even more powerful than what takes place in this physical world. If you had eyes to see, there's a spiritual world. And the forces of good versus the forces of evil, where the kingdom of light wages war against the kingdom of darkness. There's so much more than what you can see. As we understand it, there's a world, there's a spiritual world that influences our physical world. In fact, if you're going through a battle right now, you're struggling, you got something that's incredibly difficult. You need to remember this, and this is the most important principle today. You're not alone in your battles. You're never, never alone in your battles. In fact, there's an interesting story recorded in Scripture in the book of 2 Kings. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 15. It tells a story when Israel was at war against a king, and there was a servant who was in dialogue with a guy known as Elijah. 2 Kings 6.15 says this, and I think it'll be behind me. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The man was, was scared. He looked out, he saw enemy forces everywhere. There were horses, there were warriors, there were troops. And he was looking and he was saying this, we're all, we're way outnumbered. They're everywhere. And we barely have anyone. And that's when Elisha prayed, verse 17. He says this, O Lord, open this man's eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked around and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God gave him, this man, a, a glimpse into the spiritual world, and he realized there were God's angels and warriors everywhere. 
He was not in this battle alone because there's another world, the spiritual world. And we have to remember there's more than what our eyes can see. The reality of this spiritual world teaches us a very important principle, and this one's about prayer. You need to understand, you need to recognize that your prayers are far more powerful than you know. Let me say that again. Your prayers are far more powerful than you know. There may be times when you pray and you feel like nothing's happening. Recognize this simple truth. Your prayers are far more powerful than you know. There's a great example of this from the Old Testament. There was Daniel, he was praying, and nothing was happening. Then one day a messenger, an angel, came to deliver this message to him. This story is found in in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. The angel says this to Daniel, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and humbled yourselves before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. From day number one, when Daniel prayed, God heard the prayer and God was working in the spiritual world, even though Daniel knew nothing about it. The angel then went on to say this in verse 13, I have come in answer to your prayer. And here's what he explained. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. Can you imagine this? Daniel prayed. Just as soon as he prayed, God heard his prayer. God released his angels, and for 21 days they did battle against an evil spirit. When Michael, the archangel, appeared, he was able to hold off the evil spirit so the other angel could go to Daniel and say, don't worry, Daniel, God has answered your prayer. 21 days. There's a battle going on in the heavenlies because you need to understand what you see in this physical world isn't what all there is. There's a real battle going on right now. And if we hold true to Ephesians chapter 6, Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and principalities of darkness. We have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. What does he do? Well, let me give you five things that he does. It'll come on the screen here. I'm going to walk you through these five things. There's five things that Satan wants to do. The very first one. He loves to blind the minds of unbelievers. Some of you might say this, I'm not even sure I believe in God. And others of you would say, I definitely don't believe in God. Right now, as you hear God's words, as it's coming to you, for many of you, it's really hard to pay attention to this time. Your mind's going everywhere. You're going to be thinking, you know what? Hey, I've got to take the trash out later. We're out of butter. I need butter. Our mind starts to wander in church. Well, Satan's just trying to to blind our minds. He's trying to stop us from hearing the truth. Because if we hear and experience the truth, what does Scripture say? The truth sets us free. The truth changes us. So Satan's scheme is, if I just try to blind you, then you'll never hear the truth. 
2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says it this way, and it's really important to see how this is written. The God, little g, the God of this age has come. And what's his goal? He has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He tries to blind our minds so we don't hear the truth. So that's the first thing that Satan does. The second thing that he loves to do is he loves to steal God's word from you. He tries to rob you of God's words. For example, I bet a lot of you can relate to this. There have been many times in your life when you've heard something about God or you've heard his word and it did something inside of you. It, it piqued this spiritual curiosity that you have. You were kind of leaning into things of God and you thought, maybe this is real. Maybe this is good. Maybe I need to embrace this. Then you got up the next day and all those spiritual thoughts were gone. And life goes back to normal and you were wondering, what was I thinking about yesterday? I can't even remember what it was. Where did it go? Where did it vanish? Matthew 13, 19 says this. Jesus is proclaiming this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in this person's heart. So he blinds the minds of unbelievers. He steals away the word of God. The third thing that Satan loves to do is he loves to set traps for us. He wants to trap you into a dangerous lifestyle of very destructive sin. You are the one that he's trying to trap. Have you ever noticed this? If there's ever a, a point of vulnerability in your life, some area where there's a weakness, that's something that always seems to find you, to tempt you, to fall on your weakness. If you're trying to leave a lifestyle, as soon as you decide to do that, your friends call you the next day. If you're trying to purify your mind, the next thing you know, there's some in image that creates a lustful thought. If you're trying to get out of debt, there's a sale on clothing. Your enemy, Satan, is trying to trap you. Whenever you're weak, and wherever you're weak, that's where he attacks. I love this from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. It says, And one day they will come to their senses and they will escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive. Not to do the will of God, but to do the will of Satan. Satan wants to blind your minds. Those of you who don't yet believe, he wants to steal God's word. He wants to set traps. He wants to fight to stop you. He wants to fight to stop the work of God in your life. For many of us in this room that believe, here's an example for us. We get a vision from God to do something. Watch how Satan will work his butt off to try to block you. You may hear some good teaching. Might be, you know what, I need to be good stewards and I need to get out of debt. We're going to get out of debt and the next day your car explodes. That's an attack. Maybe you decide, we're going to have a great marriage. We're going to do this. We're going to pray together. We're going to be all about Jesus. We're going to have a great marriage. And you go home and you say, honey, let's have a great marriage. And all of a sudden, everything breaks loose. And you have the fight of the decade. 
and you decide, who is this? Or maybe this one, I want to share my faith with this person, and you wait, and you wait, and all of a sudden the moment's right, and they ask you a question, and you're about to talk about Jesus, and guess what rings your cell phone? Well, what's happening? You've got spiritual opposition. The forces of darkness are trying to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Look at how plainly this is spelled out in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Paul said this, For we wanted to come to you. We wanted, we wished to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. He tried to block the word of God. What does he do? He blinds our minds. He steals God's truth. He sets up tracks, sets up traps. He tries to block God's word. Here's the fifth one. Satan tries to destroy you. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Check this out. They compare him to a lion, which is from the cat family. Satan, cats, you see all, all this place together. Some of you hate cats, I'm with you. The evil one is prowling around, looking, going, can I pick you off? Can I pick you off? Can I destroy you? What you need to understand is that Satan hates you with more venomous hate than you can even imagine. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour that which belongs and matters to the heart of God. What does Satan want to devour? He wants your marriage. He loves divorce. He wants your witness. He loves destroying your testimony. He wants to take you out with sin and disqualify you from ever serving in the church. He wants to devour your kids. Oh, he loves to get them hooked on drugs, pornography, and destructive sin. He wants to devour your finances. Satan loves debt. He loves financial bondage so that you can't give, that you always have to fight and worry about money. Satan loves destroying your health. He loves sickness and disease and pain. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. He hates you. He wants to take you out. What you see with your natural eyes is not what's all there. There's a spiritual world where there's a war going on between the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. There's a spiritual battle. How do we fight? How do we engage in this battle? Hopefully you've had your Bibles open. If not, open them again to Ephesians chapter 6. God's word is really what the solution is. Let me read Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your grounds. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. With a, probably their shirt was tucked in. With a breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's begin to wrap this up. How, How do we do spiritual battle? Well, you start with the helmet of salvation. You are saved not because you're good enough. You are not saved because you're righteous enough. You are saved not by what you can do, but only by the grace of God through the faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was perfect, he sacrificed himself. Because he shed his blood, he purchased you. You are saved because of who Jesus is and what he he did. When you know that, your mind, which has the helmet on, allows you to feel protected, allows you to be secure, allows you to recognize that no one can snatch you out of God's hand. Your head is protected because you have the helmet of salvation. You also have the breastplate of righteousness. Scripture says that your heart is deceitful above all things. We all know this, our heart lies to us. Our heart leads us into unrighteousness. The breastplate of righteousness protects our deceitful heart. You are not righteous because you're good. Scripture says there is no one righteous, not even one. Scripture says that your best attempt at righteousness is as filthy rags before God. But because he put on the breastplate of righteousness, when he sees you, he sees the breastplate. He doesn't see your sin. Just like when the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 left home, took all his father's money and blew it in a party lifestyle. He woke up one day broken in pain. He's living with pigs. When he came home, what did his father do? His father put a robe around him. So the father didn't see the filth and the sin. He saw the robe of righteousness. He was covered with an outer covering. You and I have the breastplate of righteousness. When God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Then when your spiritual enemy hurls fiery darts and accusations at you, you defeat them with the shield of faith. Why do you always have negative thoughts coming into your mind? These are the fiery darts of the evil one. You've heard these lies. You're nothing. You're no good. You're pathetic. You could never make a difference. After what you did, did you really think God loves you? He'll never, ever, ever use you. Your marriage will always be bad. You will always be broke. You will always be sick. You're always going to be miserable. You'll be nothing. But you put up the shield of faith. And you say, I don't believe these accusations from the evil one. Instead, I believe I am who Christ says I am. I'm blessed coming and blessed going out. I'm an overcomer. I'm greater. I'm greater. I'm great because of the one who lives in me, is greater than the one who lives in the world. God has plans for me. God is working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Then you have that belt of truth. That's great news because we'd hate to fight with our pants down. Just kidding, I had to say it. We are all so quiet. The belt just doesn't cause us to look good. It doesn't 
doesn't just do that. The belt of truth sets us free. Satan just utters lies. He's the, deci- de- the deceiver. The truth buckled around your waist prepares you to run into battle. And you run in with the shoes of the gospel of peace. Your feet are planted in the peace of God. And when others look at you in the middle of the battle, and they look at you and say, how are you so calm? I don't know. I just have this supernatural peace that goes beyond the ability to understand it. Then we have a weapon. Our weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Those of you who believe in Jesus, and you don't know God's Word, you're really missing out using the sword. You need to learn God's Word. You need to internalize God's Word. You need to fight like Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted three times by Satan, how did he fight back? With the word of God. Three different temptations, three different times, Jesus said, it is written. He quoted the word of God. You fight with the sword of the Spirit. Well, your whole front side is covered, but your back side is still vulnerable. Why is that? Because you need other believers to guard your back. It's that simple. You need others to pray for you, to encourage you, to hold you accountable, and correct you and stand with you. Scripture says this, you can pray in the Spirit on all occasions. You can recognize this, that that you are a believer in Christ. You have access to go before the throne of God, to come boldly, to find help in your time of need. The reason why people don't pray more is they really don't believe this stuff is true. What you see with your eyes is not all that there is. Today is a foundational understanding. Let's wrap it up and review it one more time. Though we live in this world, we don't wage war against this world. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. Because we recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of this dark world. We understand that there's more in this world than our eyes can see. We recognize the reality of this spiritual world. We need to embrace these final two truths. The first one is this. You're not alone in your battles. You are never, ever, ever alone in your battles. If you feel very alone right now, you feel very afraid. You feel like you're facing a battle that's way too big. If God would open your eyes, he would give you the eyes to see this truth. The kingdom of light is doing battle against the kingdom of darkness, and the good news is the kingdom of light always wins. The second thing that we need to embrace this morning is this. Your prayers are way more powerful than you know. There may be times when you pray, you feel like nothing's happening, but recognize this, your prayers are more powerful than you know. Just remember, like Daniel He prayed. He didn't see anything happening. 21 days later, an angel appeared to him and said, from the very first moment you prayed, God heard your prayer. I've just been busy doing battle in the spiritual world. As we do battle, we recognize that we don't do battle with things or weapons of this world. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith. We have the belt of truth. We have the shoes with the gospel of peace. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and you can pray in the Spirit on all occasions, invoking the power of God to do battle on your behalf. 
What does all this mean for us this morning? Above all else, remember this. As believers, when we fight, we don't fight for victory. Instead, we fight from victory. Jesus has already won the battle. In fact, Scripture says this in John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in this world. There has been a boatload of information I've given you. I want you to sit in silence. Join me in prayer. Do not run out of here. Uh, enjoy being together as a community. Let's pray. God, we proclaim back to you, you are great. You are awesome. You are more powerful than uh, even the things that seem to trap us in this world. Thank you for the reminder that you are the overcomer. That we don't wage a fight here in our own strength, but we fight a battle that you already have prepared us for. We thank you that you are already victorious. As we go out into this world, may we be reminded that you are a God who lavishes his love on his people. May you call us to greater things. May we be used by you in a powerful way this week. We ask all this in your name. Amen.